Kentucky Let Doors Podcast, a Tennis Now production sponsored by Tennis Express. I'm your host, Chris Otto, coming at you from day 12 of the U.S. Open. We are so deep into the business end of this tournament. Men's singles semifinals on tap for today. You can click over to TennisNow.com and get our preview of today's semifinals. They're set to begin a little less than three hours. It'll be Rafael Nadal and Juan Martin Del Potro. Kicking things off on Arthur Ashe Stadium. That's not before 4 p.m. Eastern. Followed by Kana Shikori and Novak Djokovic. Not before 5.30 p.m. Eastern. Could be a long one on Arthur Ashe Stadium. And it will certainly be an excellent one. If you've been watching the U.S. Open closely over the last fortnight, you know the sound of my next guest's voice. She is a writer, a journalist, an MC, a host, a tennis coach, and also played tennis collegiately. It is Blair Henley. Blair has been running the show on Grandstand all fortnight at the U.S. Open, and there is a small movement that is growing ever so slightly to have that court renamed Camp Blair Henley. Well, we're kind of excited to talk with Blair. We've known her for quite some time. We chatted on Thursday, getting the scoop on the situation over there in Grandstand, what this year's U.S. Open has been like for her, and some of her highlights, as well as a little bit of a preview of today's men's semifinals. So let's get to that interview, shall we? Guess what? We're talking with Blair Henley today. Blair Henley has been at the U.S. Open for the whole fortnight, and she's basically running this show on Grandstand. How you doing, Blair? Hey, Chris. Good to talk to you. <laughs> nice to hear your voice. Um, and I've heard your voice, you know, day in and day out from the U.S. Open. You're you're basically, you must be camping out at Grandstand. Is there some rumors that they're going to rename the court Camp Blair Henley? Is this true? <laughs> I I owe that uh, hashtag, or if it is a hashtag yet, I'm not sure. It but David be. Kane, uh, I appreciate it, has works for the WTA and has has um, christened Grandstand Camp Blair Henley. Uh, it is a lot of fun. We do have there there food and drinks, and you know I'm sure if you wanted to spend the night there, you could you could ask security camp out on the uh, the promenade. But it has been a whole lot of fun, and my goal pretty much by the end of the tournament is you know hopefully people aren't too annoyed by the sound of my voice because the people who work on that court sure get to hear a lot of it. Yeah. Uh, well, tell me, but I'm you know I'm curious because. I've been around tennis tournaments, and of course, I'm always watching on TV, and I always am fascinated by the on-court interview and by what your day-to-day job is like. I mean, I know I see you walk on the court the minute the match ends, but what goes on, like, over, like, take me through your day and what it's like and how much prep you do. Sure. Uh, well, at the U.S. Open, we actually start our day. That's just wrapped up a few days ago, but for the first eight or nine days of the event, we start our day doing net generation promos. So that's the USTA's program for kids. So we actually have probably 25 to 30, you know, 9, 10, 11 year olds lining up in the hallway every morning. We put them out on the court at about 1040. They do a little XO for the fans that are there that early. Um, they pack their nets and their rackets and their balls in. And then we do a good morning to the crowd. And like I said, depending on who that first match is, sometimes that crowd is large sometimes not so large um but we try to make it just as fun no matter what uh and then yeah about four or five matches usually four um and watch the match kind of see what's going on and this year i get to actually watch from uh an indoor room which is an upgrade from court 17 where you're 
out in the elements, which has been nice uh, at the U.S. Open because it has been blazing here uh, for most of the past couple of weeks. Uh, so, yeah, just keep an eye on the matches, do some research on the players. I really try to make the post-match interview unique. Um, I try to stay away if I can. Sometimes it fits to ask one of those questions, you know, kind of one of those basic questions you hear asked over and over in post-match interviews. Um, but I try to stay away from those if I can, um, find fun facts about the player, whether it's from their social media. Sometimes you get nice nuggets in the uh, bios on the tour websites. And, you know, I just had an instance the other day where I found out Marcelo Mello's uh, nickname is the giraffe. And so I figured I'd ask Lucas about what it was like playing with a guy whose nickname (laughs) was the giraffe. And, you know, I like I like being able to hopefully give the fans a new nugget, um, something they didn't know about the player coming in. So that's kind of my goal going into the post-match interview. And we do about four of those every day and mix in some seat upgrades. And, and that's the day here at the U.S. Open. Wow. And you hit some balls into the crowd. That's important. Yes. Uh, here we call it the Emirates Airline Ball Flight. Give <laughs> give Emirates Airline a little plug. Heck but yeah, they, they have branded... They have branded the uh, autograph balls into the stands. That I have to think that's a fun thing for. It doesn't matter how many times these players have done it to see fans get that excited over possibly getting one of the balls. I, I can't imagine that that gets old for them. It's beautiful. I, in fact, I saw you. I think it was yesterday or two days ago. Sweltering heat, like f- fifteen fans after a doubles match, and you say, "Well, you know, stick around. We're going to hit some balls in the crowd, and you have very good odds since you're one of the few people that's here." That was amazing. Beautiful that's right. Stuff. That's right. We, you know, I got to recognize those those fans who stick it out to the end. No, but seriously though, th- these are massive moments for so many players as you go through the first week of the slam. I mean, people are breaking milestones. Fans are going nuts. Players are like having these magical moments. It must be really cool to be a part of that and to be prepped and to be ready and to ask that question and let these people celebrate their moments, right? Yeah, it's a lot of fun. I mean, an example from just a couple of days ago, I had uh, Radu Albot and Malik Jaziri who made uh, the doubles semifinals. And they had, I think... Albat is the first player from Moldova ever into the second week of a slam. And he described Malik as a king in Tunisia. And so you have these two guys from countries that, you know, certainly don't have a rich tennis history and they're doing incredibly well. It's just, it's fun to see, to, to be a small part of those moments. Of course, Naomi Osaka had a couple great matches on grandstand this week and had a little bit of a, I don't know if, if we can call it viral, but a moment that was at least snipped off on social media. Oh, I know about it. Literally running, running away from my microphone. But if you, if you'll let, if we have time, I can give you the backstory there. I saw that one and I was cracking up. A, because she is <laughs> such a character no matter what's happening, but B, just the optics of that was just so funny. Yeah, tell us about that, please. Well, so her first match, she may have been her first or second round, she played on Grand stand and we didn't have a huge crowd it was one of the first matches of the day and she's we're doing the post-match interview and somebody literally yells of course this this is new york where this would happen somebody's like in the top row the top of the bleachers and they're screaming we can't hear you (laughs) and so naomi responds like i'm really sorry (laughs) uh so we do we finish that interview but next interview I know I'm going to be talking to her after the match. I, I tell our sound guys, I'm like, listen, you may have to really jack up her the mic when she's giving her answers. Yeah. Even then, 
it was hard. We had, we had more people in the stands that day. So even then it was really hard to hear her. And so I, you know, our training is listen, you put it as close, you put that mic as close to their mouth as you can, if you need to get the, the levels right. Right. And so I, <laughs> I had asked her, it was the last question of the day and it was kind of an offbeat question about, uh, her, she played, who did she play that day? Sasnovich, I believe, who said she wanted to bring the melting pot back to Belarus. And so I asked Naomi, who always has interesting thoughts, I said, Naomi, if you could bring uh, a restaurant to Japan, an American restaurant to Japan, which one would it be? And so she's thinking about it. And I, of course, have the mic, you know, ready to get whatever funny answer she gives. <laughs> and she does a kind of a backbend matrix move <laughs> to get away. The mic is so close. Yeah, wow. um, and of course my response was well Naomi we just want to hear what you have to say um, and then she gave a great answer that she wants to bring a good steakhouse back to Japan okay. so um, it was it ended up being a lot of fun and, and really that moment kind of summed up uh, sums up Naomi's personality she just even though she she ends up giving these great answers she's not super comfortable in that setting so it was really kind of an organic moment that ended up I, I think giving some laughs for yeah, sure definitely that was a lot of fun you know one of the, your jobs Blair on a daily basis is to nail the pr pronunciation of the players names and it's not <laughs> so easy to do right how much time do you put in like per day on getting these names right and and do you often have to consult with the players or their agents to actually say how they prefer it to be said like the Czech players maybe want it just you know anglicized and what's what's the inside word on that yeah, it is. It is so tough uh, just because of what you just said is that some players uh, and speaking of the Czech players, uh, Katerina Shinyakova, mm -hmm. I think the correct way is Shinyakova, but she specifically said she wants and she made sure she's like, it's not a regular S, it's an SH sound and she wants it Shinyakova. Mm -hmm. So you, you can think you know the correct way from a player's home country and perhaps that player wants something completely different. Savastava. That would again be the the correct way on paper. She likes Sevastova, hmm. so you you can do the research, but really sometimes, like you said, it involves asking the player, and that's that's something that I have become pretty comfortable doing. I've never had a player upset because I asked them to clarify. Yeah. Uh, so that's that's kind of my rule of thumb if if we're stumped, and you know, then there there are instances like. Yulia Gurgis. She likes Yulia or Julia, and you can say it either way, but someone might hear you say Julia and think, oh, well, that's not right. It's Yulia. So right. <laughs> you're never going to have everybody agreeing on the right pronunciation, but you definitely, I use all of my resources, whether it's the tour reps uh, asking the player themselves or what the ATP has now, which is so great. It's not for every player yet, but they have that little audio file on the ATP player page of the player saying their own name. So, so nice. that has been invaluable. Yeah, very cool. Um, before we get onto a little bit of tennis talk, hey, tennis, believe it or not, um, the last thing I saw in Grandstand that was really kind of funny, and but I don't know much about it, is uh, that woman that seems to be like a security guard or ticket taker that's dancing a lot. What's the story with her? She is... <laughs> She's been the highlight. You know, I'm actually really sad I wasn't able to meet her in person. She was in a section that I didn't walk by very oh, often. Okay. Uh, but she was the resident dancer on Grandstand. Anytime we had a break in play, she was up on that video board. The, the camera guys knew where to find her. Incredible rhythm, incredible moves. Mm. So I, I'm hoping she's back for years and years to come. And keeping, you, <laughs> keeping you entertained on those long days, right? That's right. We, you know, it's it's really fun when you meet. You know, I end up meeting a lot of ushers. Um, you end up meeting the USTA supervisors and the 
the umpires and the refs and the, the ball people. So you really, yeah, I've been able to make connections in a wide variety of departments, which is, I think, one of the fun things about what I do. And speaking of connections, who would you say you connected with the most or which interview did you enjoy the most so far in, at the U.S. Open this year? Hmm, oh, that's a great question. Uh, you know, I probably a tie for me. I had a dominant team on my court early on and I'm completely, this is what happens at the end of a slam. I completely forget who played who on which day, Mm -hmm. but he was moved. It was maybe the first or second day. So maybe it was a first round match and he was moved from court 10 to grandstand. Uh, at the very last minute, the match was shifted and, uh, obviously grandstands a much bigger court. And, and I was able to say, you know, Dominic, you, we, you started on court 10, you, you got to move to grandstand. And I think, uh, these fans were really appreciative of that. And he, he went on to say, you know, I, I'm really glad I ended up here and I hope they put me here to start with next time. So <laughs> he, he gave a great answer there. Um, Naomi, I think we had a couple good chats and yes. Day, I believe it was. I had uh, Jack Sock and Mike Bryan, who are now in the men's doubles final, and they are a lot of fun. Jack was messing with me. I'm, you know, we actually have lower thirds that go up on the board for the players for doubles. So, in addition to the complications of lining two players up, telling them stay in the frame, try not to move too right. far away from one another, we actually have to line them up in order so that when they put their names up on the board, it's under the correct player. Ah. So I'm telling, you know, I'm out there telling Zach, I'm like, Zach, I need you right in between me and Mike. And he keeps backing up the other way. And I, I finally, I put a hand on his shoulder. I'm like, right here, Jack. And Mike's like, dude, right here. And of course he is messing with me the whole time. So he's like completely <laughs> out of frame. I didn't realize he was messing with me at first, of course. And uh, anyway, it ended up being a big laugh. He got in good position. And I said, actually, he said, you know, you should be standing next to the world number one. And I said, well, unfortunately <laughs> we have lower thirds on the board, so you have to stay in this order. Um, but we had a great interview. They were, they talked about the success that they've had together and Mike was able to give a shout out to Bob, which, which is heartwarming. And we all miss Bob, of course, but you know, it's nice to see, nice to see Mike and Jack having so much success. They are killing it. And yeah. And Mike did that again today as well. He's been really, uh, really keen on mentioning his brother. I think that's cool. The bond that those guys have, it's it's really, it's superb. People got to check out these doubles matches, especially now when there's time to actually watch them later in the week. Absolutely. It's underrated entertainment for sure. It seriously is. So how hot has it been, Blair? I'm not there and I'm, you know, that hurts me already, but, but, (laughs) but I, I can't really get a feel for just how bad it is. Is this a thing where it's just bad inside the stadiums without the ventilation, but what's it been like on grandstand and what's it been like around the grounds? Is it one of the worst you've ever experienced? It, it it is. Um, I, this is my this is my fourth year doing what I'm doing, fourth year hosting, and I've I've covered it a couple years before that as a writer, and it's definitely one of one of the hottest ones that I've experienced. I mean, last year, if you remember, I mean, I was in sweaters every day. Last year, it was downright cold, mm. so it's it's definitely unusual uh, to have the temperatures that we've been having. But I do think that it is worse in Ash and Armstrong just because they. Even when the roof is open, those walls and kind of the beginning of the roof that's that's kind of overhanging, it just there's not a lot of ventilation. And and to be honest, for that reason, if I'm a player, I would prefer to play in grandstand just because it's the bowl is so much more open. Um, 
but yeah, just really sticky. I, I had an event today and I was just standing outside and just like really gross. Um, I, I can smell myself right now. I'm so, so gross and sweaty, but it's, it's definitely not ideal uh, for the players, that's for sure. But I know there's been a lot of talk about people, you know, this we don't love the, the fight to the death thing. And, of course, literally, we don't like that concept. But I, I do like to see who handles, I mean, their conditions like any other conditions. And I like to see which players handle it the best. Yeah, I, I've been fascinated with it. It's yeah, it's very difficult, but you know, the, there's always challenges with these majors, and unfortunately for players like Roger Federer, they got more than they can handle. So, yeah, but it's interesting to see like who can adapt, who can change it. it it's probably unexpected for a lot of these players to come in and experience it uh, heat like this, but uh, some players have been able to get through pretty nice. So, so let's move on and let's talk a little tennis because we've got we're into the business end here. We got women's semifinals right now happening. How do you right. see? How do you see? the semifinals and the singles playing out any any thoughts anything you'd like to say about that well i mean i can tell you what i think i am notoriously terrible at predicting anything um or trying to predict anything uh, but you i'm you spot. know again watching <laughs> watching serena and uh sevastova warm up i will tell you i've seen i had sevastova on my court twice this week when she is playing well and if she can keep her head level she she tends to get down on herself on the court i think but it is one of the most fun. She mixes it up. She has such variety. I I really think she could be a challenge for Serena tonight. Um, and then on the other side, Osaka Keys, also a tough call because Naomi has absolutely just blasted through the draw this year. But mm-hmm. I would take. I'm going to take Keys on that one. Um, she's never lost to Naomi, and I think Keys has had a little bit of a tougher draw here, which. You don't want too hard. You don't want matches that are too hard and that take too much out of you. But you do. I I do think it's good to be pushed to some level so that you're ready when you get to the business end. Whereas Naomi has almost had had too smooth of a ride so far. So I I take keys in that one. Mm -hmm. And and I am well prepared to be wrong on both. Oh, of course. That's part of the that's the best part of the fun, isn't it? <laughs> that's right. That's well, right. How do you I'm curious if you put your like tennis playing hat on cuz we know we you've played collegiately and you've had a lot of tennis experience. Mm-hmm. How do you see the matchup cuz I haven't been able really to figure out what it is about the matchup that can give either player the advantage in Osaka versus Keys. What do you think is important in that match or do you just think it's simply about handling the moment, managing the moment? That's that's a good question. I yes, I think handling the moment is huge, uh, and and really that part could go either way because Madison has been there before, but she also has a little bit of the pressure that goes along with perhaps being the favorite. And Naomi pretty much said, "Listen, my uh, I think she said it was her maybe her fourth round match. That was the toughest one. That was the hurdle. And then once she got past that, and once she got to the quarterfinal, it was one and one." Uh, so, you know, on, on that front, she could just think, hey, it's all icing on the cake, play loose, and, and maybe she plays a great match. But I just think Madison maybe has the firepower plus the mental uh, consistency to, to get through that match. Again, I so mental, I think, at this point, because they're both such great shot makers. Right. And both very young. So, so the experience yeah. edge will come in handy, certainly for Keys, who's had, you know, had a great experience last year. Absolutely. Um, men's side, I'm starting to get worried about Rafa because 
he has played. I mean, we haven't seen it show up in his game yet, but he has played. I think it was four over four hours in the third round, three plus hours in the fourth round, and then the match against team was nearly five hours. And mm-hmm. now he's playing Delpo. Mm-hmm. Delpo has kind of been able to march through. Is that going to be? Right. Is that going to make a big difference, or do you think the two days off kind of nullifies it, and we see these p- players go at it like they normally do with Rafa having the edge? I I think I would go with choice B. I think Rafa has has some superhuman recovery strategy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he, I, you know, I think that's enough time. I really think that's enough time for him. Unless you know, again, unless there's some knee issue that we don't know about, I think he's probably going to be feeling good uh, 48 hours after. And then, but you know, Delpo, it's tough. The last time he beat, I was looking it up. The last time he Rafa was at the Olympics. It was. Uh, so it's it's been a while um so maybe maybe delpo's too what do you think on that one chris i'm interested to hear your thoughts i think that there are a couple things working in delpo's favor one new york and he's a player that works on emotion and just Mm -hmm. i think that a lot of times we've seen him lose matches where he's been unwilling to just lay his body on the line completely and hit the backhand the way that he can when he's just not thinking about his wrist at all and i think when he gets in a match like this he might be willing to say you know what the season's almost over i don't care what Mm. happens i'm ready to. i want this tournament and this title so badly i'm willing to do anything for it and i think that's the wild card that'll help him be on even footing. And that's why I expect they'll probably have another marathon like they did at Wimbledon. I don't know how to pick it. I, I just hope it's great, you know? Yeah, well, I think it's supposed to be a little bit cooler uh, the next few days. I think there's some rain that's supposed to be coming in tonight. Mm. And, uh, you know, again, that could make it uh, more of a, a match about skill versus endurance. So, again, that could that would probably make it more fun for, for the people watching. Yeah. And any thoughts on Novak and Nishikori? Oh, man. I, I loved seeing Kay come through in that match against Chilich because I, I just, and again, maybe this is an unfair characterization, but I feel like Kay sometimes just really struggles when it comes to closing it down. And Chilich didn't really hand it to him at the end, and he got the job done. Um, and coincidentally, his last win over Djokovic was in 2014 when he reached the final here. So... I don't know. On you know, on paper, maybe maybe Kay has a chance. But man, I mean, Novak when he's playing well, which I think anybody who's watched him this week would say that he is. Yeah. Gosh, can can anyone beat him? I mean, it's just hard to bet against him. Yeah, it's it's amazing how far he's come since. I guess if you look back to just a little bit before Roland Garros, where he was then and now where he's come, it's 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 unbelievable. Oh, uh, yes, I'm hoping uh, <laughs> after after Djokovic won Wimbledon, I was, uh, you know, and you look at the comeback that Roger had and that Rafa had and now that Novak has had. And I'm just really hoping we in a year from now, we can say the exact same thing about Andy Murray. Yeah, I think I, I hope so. I, I don't have full confidence in it yet. But yeah, uh, next January is going to be a really exciting time for not only Andy, but I think Stan also, who I think has made a lot of strides. Of yes. Late. So yeah, there's absolutely. Stan was looking good. There's time for these guys. Uh, I'm worried about Roger, 37. He did not look good going out to John Millman. Do you have any thoughts about that? I, I am worried that he may have lost his desire. That I may have witnessed him losing his desire to win more majors right there on that Monday night match. Interesting. Well, I will say I know. I kind of going back to Cincinnati, uh, where he who did he lose to in Cincinnati? Oh, Djokovic in the final, of yep. course. Goodness. It's it's all <laughs> it's all uh, melding together. But yeah. he 
I, I, from what I understood there, he was not uh, 100% health wise. He just wasn't feeling well. Mm-hmm. Um, and so who knows how much that played into his preparation coming into the U S open. I just, I just feel like Roger really loves. Yeah. I feel like he absolutely loves the atmosphere and the tennis and the sport. I don't know. I, I, I don't think you should have that thought yet. That's okay. what I'm going to say. Yeah, on I don't want to jump I the gun. I, it hurt me watching that match Monday night. I was really like, I'm not rooting for anybody or, you know, uh, nothing against John Millman. That was an amazing part of the story, but it just hurt me to see him so somber and to kind of, it, it was just not, it was disturbing for me. I did not enjoy that experience. Yeah. Um, well, and, and he said it in the post-match interview is that he just didn't, he just felt like he couldn't catch his breath, which I imagine was a foreign feeling for him because when do we ever see Roger figuratively or literally sweat so I think that was what was so disconcerting and you know I I have a feeling that you know we're getting to indoor season I think he's gonna be just all right good thank you I needed that so two (laughs) two more quickies for you Blair before before I let you go one more will be um, on tennis if you were Roger Federer and if you were kind of figuring out what you're going to do for the rest of your life how would you do a retirement Ooh. Would you just say goodbye after one match or would you like make a big party out of it and say this whole season's going to be me saying goodbye to every single place that I've ever played at, which is what I would prefer. I, I, well, I think, I think that's probably what most of us would prefer, but I, I just have, I don't think, and you know, you see kind of that farewell tour thing, you know, we saw it with, you know, we're in New York. I think of Derek Jeter. And every city he went to, and Mariana Rivera having, you know, a plaque and, right. and a special gift. And I, I'm not a huge fan of that. I, I just because I feel like it's almost every every loss is more than just a loss. You know, it's just like oh, one more, one loss closer to to the end. And I just think it has this uh, kind of a morbid, in career terms, in a, the career sense, kind of a morbid feel to it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would love to see him pull a Pete Sampras, win one more big one, oh, and yeah. announce the retirement. But, you know, you got to think, Labor Cup next year is in Geneva, Switzerland. Right. We know, we've, we've heard rumblings about Tokyo 2020. I, I feel like we don't have to worry about it quite yet, but I would love to see him not do the farewell tour. That's me. Total yeah. personal preference. That was good. No, that, I appreciate your input on that because I've been thinking about the farewell tour, but you know, maybe I'm wrong. But Okay, last question. <laughs> tell us, Blair, okay. tell us what you've been up to all season because I know you've done more than the U.S. Open and what are your plans for the rest of the season next year going forward? And where can we, yes. find, where can we find you on social? Are you doing any writing at the moment? All these things. Tell us everything. Uh, well, I will try to tell you everything in a nutshell. I have been very fortunate, um, hashtag blessed to a lot mm. of different events this year. I kind of did the Spring Swing Delray, Indian Wells, Miami, Houston, uh, which is great. I worked social for Roland Garros, and this summer I've done Newport, which is a tournament. If you ever have a chance to go, you should at the International Tennis Hall of Fame. Such a great event. Um, and then Cincinnati U.S. Open. And as of a couple of days ago, uh, it's looking like Labor Cup is a possibility. Oh, cool. uh, so hopefully, I hopefully I'll be headed to Chicago in about uh, ten days. Uh, we will, I'm con- hopefully confirming that soon. And then uh, it's looking like also WTA finals in Singapore, oh, which okay. both of those would be firsts for me. Um, I am extremely, extremely thankful. 
uh, that people are even considering me for those opportunities. I, I don't take a day of this for granted. I love the sport of tennis and I'm so glad I get to work in it. Uh, and on the writing front, I am just wrapping up work for the Tennis Magazine Heroes issue, which I have had the privilege of working on for the past three years. Uh, every year, the November-December issue of Tennis Magazine is about tennis heroes, uh, heroes in the tennis world. And they could be professional players who are doing great things now. It could be just normal people like us, Chris, who are <laughs> doing phenomenal things in, uh, you know, in their everyday tennis communities. Um, but I have gotten to really meet and talk to some phenomenal people, uh, including a family I met here for the first time this year. I didn't meet them last year, but Mark Krajikian, I don't know if you saw the story last year, he had bone cancer, uh, gosh, before he was 10, nine or 10, um, had his leg amputated, has come back, is back playing tennis, got to hit with Roger Federer here at the U S open last year. So got to write his story last year and have been in touch with his mother ever since. I got to meet them uh, on my birthday, actually. They brought me a birthday present. It was just such a special moment. I mean, I feel like we meet a lot of cool people, but being able to kind of tell the stories of these people who have really been real inspirations to to people in the, just the community of tennis has been really special. That is awesome. Um, see, I'm so glad I asked that last question because I had no idea about all of these things or some of these things. So it's really uh, nice of you to fill us in. Uh, be looking forward oh, to pleasure. those pieces. Be looking forward to you at the WTA finals and Laver Cup. So I guess I'll be seeing you in a weird way, even if I'm not seeing you. Which has <laughs> been the story right. of well, our I, lives. But I, I will say, Chris, you you are a huge part of my beginning in the world of tennis. We, you know, if for, for people listening who don't know the background, Chris and I worked together once upon a time at Tennis Now. And he, I mean, gosh, you are just so great at what you do. And you give such a voice to the game and you have such a great perspective. So I credit you for, for giving me a lot of the background that I have now. So oh, thank you. That's so nice. Oh, right back at you. <laughs> I'm so glad we got a chance to chat and um, well, enjoy your last few days of the U S open and the rest of the year. And we'll talk soon. All right, Chris. Thanks so much. Special thanks to Blair Henley for joining the program today. Be sure to check her out for the rest of the U.S. Open over on Grandstand and also Laver Cup, WTA Finals. Exciting times for Blair Henley, exciting times for tennis. And oh, you can follow Blair on Twitter at Blair Henley. And you can also follow us on Twitter at Tennis underscore now. And don't forget to check out our podcast homepage, tennisnow.podomatic.com. And if you're listening to this podcast on iTunes, please Take some time to rate, review, subscribe. We'd really appreciate it. Thank you so much for listening to the Lucky Let Cord Podcast, a Tennis Now production sponsored by Tennis Express. Enjoy the rest of the U.S. Open. <laughs>